good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, January 21st, 2024. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got the Legal Eagles, David Levine and Kevin Walsh of Groom Law Group standing by. And then we'll be taking a look back at one of our better segments for the week. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Well, we're going to kick off the show with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill in terms of legislation, regulation, arbitration, litigation, so much going on here to break it down. They're the legal eagles, David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Eagles, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Jeff, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. It's great (laughs) to be here with you. Uh, We are very excited to be here as always, and thanks for having us. And this week, we thought we might sort of look ahead into our crystal balls as to where we're going this year because we're a little late in doing it. So we thought we'd jump in. Yeah, let's, uh, Kevin, I want to start with you because you got out, I don't know if it's a crystal ball or the eight ball, uh, which is, uh, people don't probably don't remember, a little novelty item to help predict the future. But Kevin, last week we talked about the health financial services committee looking at the department of labor fiduciary rule that's another step forward in that role after the comment period and the and the hearing that i think you and groom participated in but let's take a look ahead what what's top of mind when you look out at regulations and what's going on in 2024 the top of mind is that the department of labor is going to be very busy in 2024 uh, and actually you know doing this a little bit later in january gives us a little bit of an edge in terms of predicting what's going to happen in 2024 because we've already seen some hints as to what's coming. You know, the first thing that we're going to see is we're going to see a final fiduciary rule in all likelihood during the first half of this year. Uh, the new fiduciary rule we've talked a lot about, so I'm not going to you know go into too much depth here, but uh, what's, what we expect is it's going to expand the scope of who is an ERISA fiduciary well beyond who is an ERISA fiduciary today uh, in an attempt to largely regulate the distribution of annuities and also to cover rollovers into IRAs. Um, David, I can keep going with other regulatory initiatives, or if you want to highlight one, we can ping pong back and forth. And, uh, oh, there he other is. Than there ha- he other is. Than have, other than having trouble unmuting myself, because <laughs> I have so much to say, um, but talk about what I think. I think regulatory initiatives, I'm going to jump to the other side of the fence. Secure 2.0. There's a lot of things out there, and even a, a lot of, and even things back from secure. I'm going to hit two things very quickly and then ping pong it back to you, Kevin. On the IRS side, I think this is the year we will see more information and more uh, and more discussion of things like long, long-term part-time. We have proposed rules, but there's lots of questions. Lots of people are still working through it. I think there's going to be a focus on that because people are still concerned and there's comment letters and everything. So I think there's going to be dialogue as people try to implement it. And hopefully we get some regulatory relief that says good faith was good enough. Similarly, although it's not till 2026, I think you'll see a continued focus on Roth, uh, on Roth required catch-ups because people are thinking about it. And this is also me suggesting we should, because if you wait till the last minute, I don't think the IRS is going to extend again. And now is a good chance to do this. Of course, we're waiting for IRS guidance. And I think we might see that. Back to you, Kevin. Yeah, so just talking about the other initiatives going on on the labor side of the house, you know, auto portability was a big topic in Secure and Secure 2.0. Um, and, you know, there's an idea that, you know, maybe it would make sense to have a more streamlined process for allowing, you know, folks in abandoned plans or folks with small account balances to be rolled either into a new employer plan or to an IRA. You know, I expect we're going to see rulemaking on that this year. Um, you know, other areas 
we're going to see changes around the rules about who can serve as a you know, independent asset manager in a way that allows them to engage in transactions with affiliates of the plan sponsor. Um, you know, kind of rounding this out more, I think we'll also see changes to, you know, the process that folks use for applying for individual exemptions. In the past, you know, five, 10 years, we've seen very few individual exemptions granted. Uh, the Labor Department has indicated it would like to, you know, have that individual exemption process open again, uh, which would allow for things like contributions of employer stock, um, or possibly allow for, you know, transactions that, that the statute would prohibit um, if DOL thinks the conditions are, are you know, provide enough protection. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I think we'll see is rules around abandoned plans. You know, there's a there's always risk when a plan sponsor goes out of business that, you know, the participants may not be as protected. Um, and so we expect the Labor Department to, you know, be engaged in rulemaking to turn abandoned plans. Now it's an election year, so they really got a rush. Um, but they've got a full plate. Yeah. Can I just say a question? Why, just for my own edification and maybe the audience's, why is it a rush before, why do they need to get all this kind of locked in? They meaning the regulators get all this locked in before the election. Is it because a new administration meet, trying to lock in th- so things can't be undone after potentially a new Congress, new Senate, new administration comes in? And so, you know, generally... You know, if you've got non-controversial rules, if you finish things, uh, if agencies are consistent from administration to administration, there's less of a pressure to get things done well before an election. Um, but if you're entering an area where you're not sure that, you know, the next administration is going to agree. And so if you're in an area that is slightly more partisan and, you know, sometimes retirement is partisan, other times it's not. Um, if you're in an area where the next administration could possibly, you know, for different values, different outcomes, different goals. Um, it's important for an agency to, you know, not only have the rulemaking done and in effect before the change of administration, to have it done and in effect well before there's a change of administration. Um, you know, there's a whole process for going through rulemaking, you know, notice and comment. You're supposed to provide, you know, a robust comment period. You're supposed to provide a certain amount of time before, after a final is published, before it's effective. Um, and yes, having a new administration have to go through that can be more protective of your rule. Um, but for example, if your rule's not published in the federal register, at least 30 days before a change of administration, then, you know, you don't have to go through that process. A new administration can just correct the federal register. Um, similarly, if your rule hasn't been published, you know, a whole bunch of congressional days before the change of administration, then a new Congress can come in and just say, we don't like the rule. And a new president could sign the bill saying, you know, we don't like that rule. And then the rule is, is written out. Now, you know, we only think about that as change of administrations because, you know, realistically, if you have a regulation that Congress doesn't like, um, but you have the president whose agency issued the rule in the White House, you know, presidents typically don't sign rules reversing their, role, their own rulemaking. Uh, if they don't like the rulemaking, they just don't finalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this really only comes into play if, if there's changes as a result of elections, but typically in election years, agencies really have to hurry or they start running into some of these, you know, potential process hurdles that allow for rulemaking to be undone more quickly than it would otherwise be undone. Thanks. Hey, Kevin, I, I was going to say I'm done because I figured we've used our segment up, but that was a great explanation. Yeah. Guys, we're going to leave it there. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the program and we look forward to having you back again next week. Bye, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks thank so you, much. Jeff, and thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye.
Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. And welcome back. This week was a great week of shows on BRN AM, but we had a very special guest, Professor James Whelan of the Tennessee Institute for Gambling Education and Research. And you're not going to believe it, but young men face high risk for gambling addiction as sports betting continues to surge. Let's give that segment a listen. Sir James, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, this this is a story, um, you know, you can't help but turn on the TV, doctor, if you're watching a sporting event and you see uh, betting. I mean, every sports league in this country and abroad, they're aligned with some level of betting. How pervasive is bet is betting among young men, and and what's the impact to their mental health? Well, to the first part about how many are engaging in it, it's really not clear. Um, the best data that exists right now is about twenty percent of the population uh, engages in sports betting. Yeah. Um, and that those data suggest that the the most popular, the most common type of gambler, a person who's gambling on sports, tends to be younger, below the age of 35, and is uh, at least historically been slanted towards men. And, but, and, and what, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Sorry. No, what was your second part of your question? Well, I, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, like, why is it so pervasive? Why, you know, like, I, I don't understand why it's, I mean, I guess I understand people, it's easy to swipe and, and do things with your phone, but, but it's so impactful on, on someone's mental health. Yeah. And you, and, 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 and the impact on the mental health is for a minority of people who do sports wager or any form of wagering, but for that minority, uh, the impact could be completely life-changing. I mean, it could be put just at the financial end, it could people put people in debt similar to buying a home. Um, it has an enormous impact on people's lives. And of course, that 
reverberates to the other parts of their life, the, the relationship with others, family members, friends, um, as well as it impacts experiences of anxiety and depression, and it, it includes a higher risk of suicidal thoughts and, and actually completed suicide. Now, what, what is really capturing people here? Well, I think at the base of it is we love sports. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but many myself and many of my friends, many of the pe family members I know, men and women, um, watching sports, talking about sports is a key part of our life. And particularly for, for young men, becoming knowledgeable about sports is, is sort of not just a rites of passage, but also a way of communicating with each other, Monday morning quarterbacking per se. And so the result of that is men in particular feel themselves knowledgeable. They feel like they know their teams or they know this league, this conference, whatever it might be. And they feel like that knowledge gives them an upper edge when they wager. But the other parts of it are equally important to pay attention to. And that is what has happened since the Supreme Court decision in 2018 is that gambling has moved from a trip, a drive, yep. to being on your phone. And it is so easily accessible. And it's hard for us to untangle that popularity of sports from that easy accessibility. And then I'm going to go back to your original comment. And that is the third factor that's really weighing heavily here is how much advertising is occurring. There's so much information and encouragement to bet, not just from bought ads on radio, TV, whatever, but uh, but also commentators. Um, we go to ESPN, which is now a gaming company. Uh, you can't watch an ESPN program without wagering being discussed as though it is actually poor, part of that sport, part of that event. All the way through to what, looking at social media, where in addition to pay ads on social media, there are tons of people out there willing to talk about what bets they make, how much they won, people suggesting you can contact them and they can sell you good information so you can make better bets. That information is pervasive. So one is we love sports and we think we're smart. Two, we got easy access. Three, we're bombarded with information telling us you ought to go bet. Yeah, and just to follow up on that, and then we'll go to a commercial break. How analogous is this addiction to drug addiction, cigarette addiction, um, other types, sexual addictions, as example? Does it sh throw off the same dopamine? I'm not a doctor, clearly, but does it show up, show up the same type of uh, uh, you know uh, internal feelings that that those other things do? Right, and it does. To really put it simply, the hit of dopamine that everyone talks about is because we get motivated to do something and that dopamine release actually further motivates us to do that. And that that sort of event in the brain happens regardless of what you're excited about. So in that way, it's very similar to across all addictions. The other similarity across all addictions is that this brain chemistry event doesn't occur in isolation. It occurs in a complex of someone's life where they're bored or they need money or they are harmed or traumatized in some way. So 
the person who has the struggles with the harms are often those people who not only are they heavily invested in this, but they also got complications to their life that drive them to go to what's rewarding. Well, that was certainly an eye-opening interview, and clearly there's a lot that needs to be done. We want to thank James Whelan for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having him back on the program again very soon. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Well, drop us a line, and don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, and without bias, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Check out our latest content? then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRN AM. We'll have a very special guest and an important topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes.